Welcome to our weekly shir. Scheduled for Wednesdays. You might find it uploaded a little earlier this week. Tuesday night, or Wednesday actually, is Yud Shvat. Yud Shvat Tavshin Yud on Shabbos, the base of Yitzchok, Rebbe, was nostalgic, passed away. Chsidim at large, following historical actions, immediately scrimmaged, searching, not chasholim in despair whatsoever for a moment, looking at the Friedrich Rebbe's two sons-in-law, turning to them for guidance. The Rebbe had been interacting with Chassidim, had spoken to Chassidim, <coughs> had Fabrain for Chassidim, even wrote letters for Chassidim. The problem that we run into is the people of the historian measures. Yesterday I was watching a video where they put together a beautiful piece of Hasidim describing that first Maimah and Tavshin Yur Aleph in 575, in 571, 1951. The first Maimah the Rebbe actually hazard after the Rebbe was presented Xavis Kashrus in Tavshin Yud Aleph Yud Shvat, the Chassidim signed a letter saying that they want to be Makusha to the Rebbe. They want to become one. And they want the Rebbe to lead the Chassidus. To continue the dynasty as the seventh Nasi. After that, Rebbe said there would be a Febrengen. Rebbe Chadakov came out and said there would be a Febrengen. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful presentation. You heard the first words of the Rebbe's Maimah. It's just amazing to see how technology was able to work then already. They had it recorded. And um, it was 1951. It's quite a while ago. There's even a blur of a video of that Febrengen of the Rebbe speaking. You had Rabbi Sapachinsky, Rabbi Harrison, describing their reactions. The moderator, though, the MC, not the MC, really, but the one that's moderating the actual video, said something actually very, very disturbing. He says that the Rebbe 
although we had an introverted nature, agreed to accept the mantle. And I've told the story before, and it's only proper to tell the story again. During the war, there were many orphans left all over the place. Jewish orphans, Rahman al-Islam. And in one such orphanage that gathered, they had a daily visitor. This young man used to come in, used to tell them stories, used to give them tzukalach, little sugar things. And they didn't know his name. They referred to him as Monsieur. Mister. And Monsieur knew all their names. And Monsieur used to call them by their name. And if the child was crying, he would see to it, give them the proper attention and love that they needed. Ba'ayim, the war, that we were going through, came to an end. And everybody went their ways. Several years later, the Rebbe traveled to America. short time later, the Rebbe was here in America already. One of these orphans, Meike, was also here in America. I believe he was in Williamsburg. And he heard about the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He was going through a hard time, whatever it might have been. And he asked for, he called the secretariat, and he asked if he can go in to see the Rebbe in a private audience. And it was able, it was arrangeable then. And so, the private audience was arranged, prescribed time, he showed up, and he comes into the room, and the reaction of the two people in the room now, the Rebbe and this fellow, were very interesting. Because the Rebbe looked up, to him, and looked up at him and said, Meirke, and Meike was ready to fall on his face when he saw and he stood now face to face with Monsieur. So, I don't know if you want to describe that as introverted. Someone that kept himself. And throughout the business years and until to date, the Rebbe is very, very involved with everyone. And I mean everyone, not just those who call themselves the Baba Shachsidim, from all walks of life. But the Rebbe has said very, very, very specifically and clearly, I will do mine, but you need to do yours. The Rebbe said, I'm not a free ride. You can't just jump on my back and ride. You need to do yours. You need to be the chassidim. You need to be the followers. You need to do the things that have to be hap- that have to happen. I will give. Dict- I will dictate instruction. I will dictate ways and behaviors that you need to do. But you need to follow up. You can't just say I have a rebbe. And that until this very day is in place. I went last week with a Satmar to the Eichel of the Rebbe 
And he's coming to thank the Rebbe because he had asked the Rebbe for a bracha for his daughter that was getting older and not getting married, not finding a shidduch. And Baruch Hashem, she found the shidduch and he had come now to thank the Rebbe. So he wrote a little note, his name, the Kala's name, the Chosun's name. He wrote that he's coming to thank the Rebbe The interest said, you have anything else to write on the letter? And he says, no, it's fine. It's, I just came to thank the Rebbe. I had other people there with me. I waited for the other people to get ready, and then they were writing their letters. And he took his pen, and, he took a pen and his paper, and he wrote something else. We all went inside, we davened. Everybody parted ways. And a short while later, he sends me a voice note. Rebbe says, I got to tell you, you told me write something else, if I have anything else. And it occurred to me that I have a major problem in the business. And I stood to either make or lose a lot of money. And he said the rights, I wrote that down. I must tell you, I came back from the hill and everything fell into place. And the deal went through, Baruch Hashem. The Rebbe accepted Nesiyas and Yudshvat of Shiralif and has cons- stayed consistent in what he promised, what he promises, and what he will promise. And therefore, on this auspicious day, it's befitting of each and every one of us, and Baruch Hashem, this recording is going out earlier than Yishvat, with a day or two before, telling you all, telling everyone, that we need to see what we can do to make the Rebbe proud. In Avas Yisrael, Avas Hashem, and Ahavasatayra. This was the first thing, the first address, public address that the Rebbe spoke about is these three loves the love of God, the love of Torah, and the love of a fellow Jew. And these have to all be equal, and these have to all be kept, and we have to see to it on this auspicious day to do something extra to take a resolution, to persevere, and to continue the legacy, not a legacy, but a way of life, as Hasidim of the Rebbe. And Hasidim of the Rebbe doesn't mean if you live only in the Shechina, and doesn't mean only if you go on Shlichus. Everyone ultimately is a Hasid of the Rebbe. Everyone ultimately is Pashtusa, the Moshe B'chaldara V'dara, the Moshe Rabbein of our generation, and therefore, each and every one of us should see to it that we undertake something above and beyond, something that we couldn't imagine or fathom that we could do, but to undertake it and to do it, whether not whether, all three, an act of love of God, an act of love of fellow Jew, an act of a love of Taylor. 
This week's parsha is parsha's Bishalach. So, as, first of all, first off, it's only proper that we make a dedication. And, of course, we have the dedication I'd like to make is to the matriarch of our family. Hashem should bless her with very, very, very many happy years, healthy years, where she can enayim lirais, znayim lishmoya, and that she should be benched to see her grandchildren, great-grandchildren go to the chuppah, gizun tehet, freilich hate, and even be able to dance at their weddings. As she's now upcoming to her birthday, Amit Shem Eisefetera will be dedicated. Her Hebrew birthday is Yudzayin, Tev Bishvat, And she should be zeichet to see tzetzayim, tzetzay, tzetzayim, adbiyaz geil tzedek, evdim v'leimdim batayda v'mitzis. Pashas b'shalach. One of the most beautiful pashas that we read. And there couldn't be a more befitting Parsha to dedicate to a woman of valor than Parsha B'Shalach. And Mirat Hashem B'Nether, we will soon speak about it. Before that, there are two wars that take place in this Parsha. This beautiful Parsha that we're talking about, this wonderful, splendid, splendid Parsha, Contains Oz Yashir Meisha the Shiras Hashem. Also has two wars, two battles. The war against Pari and his soldiers as they come to attack again. Excuse me. And the end where ends off with the war against Amalek. Quite a fiend that Amalek. But interestingly, the Teda, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Almighty, has directions for each battle, for each war. And we read in the Pasha exactly and clearly what HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells us to do for each battle. For the battle against Pare and his army that are coming and they're literally about to pounce on the Jews as the Jews are facing the Yamsuf and to the right is the desert to the left is desert and Parag and his army are coming down upon them and not only are they coming down but the Sar the angel of Mitzrayim is also descending from heaven to the battle with the wage war with the Jews and Hashem gives clear instructions what we need to do Hashem says, 
השם יילוחם לוחם ואתם תחרישון. הקדוש ברוך הוא פייט יו בטל, יו סטי קווייט. בי סיילנט. This is the instructions when it comes to the war against Mitzrayim. Then, it comes to the second battle. At the end of the Pasha, the war against Amalek. New attitude. New approach. Say he lochem ba Amalek. Go out there and fight Amalek. Battle them to the ground. What an extreme. What an extreme. Do nothing. Remain silent. And rely on HaKadosh Baruch Hu to fight your battle. Or go out there head on and fight. There is an, in essence a difference of these two wars. Paray and his army... Parah and his army were a physical danger to the Jews. Amalek and his army were a spiritual danger to the, the Jews. And therefore, the physical danger requires leave it to God. Whereas the spiritual danger requires a Jew to battle. Stand up, confront, and conquer. Pare was radif. He chased after the Jews. But he wasn't standing between them and God. At least not directly. It wasn't a test of emuna, as we'll discuss soon, in belief in God, or to deter the Jews from believing in God. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I accept this war. Atem tacharishun. Be quiet. Remain silent. Do not make any noise. The Jewish nation, on the other hand, Could not overcome a physical battle. Because the Jewish nation may not say, I have reached out, I have done, I have conquered. And therefore they were not capable of actually going to battle with Pari. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu hints to this very battle with the Jews. This is not your speed. 
This is not your forte, this is not your MO, this is not what you belong doing, going out there, vigilanteing in the streets. On the flip side, as we say, I'm Malik. No. Amalek represents an entire different breed. An entire different approach, an entire different battle. Amalek came out to fight exact with the Jews after they crossed the Yamsuf and is trying to get in between this nation that now saw the greatest of miracles and is on a high of escaping Egypt, seeing a miracle of the Yamsuf splitting, walking on dry land, coming across and having the Mitzvah spit out onto the ground so they don't think that the Mitzvah are chasing them from another side. They're on the real high, knowing that now their next step is Har Sinai, Matan Teda, and along comes Amalek. Along comes Amalek, and Amalek is now trying to deflate this moment. And the Teda uses a very, very specific phrase for this. Ashekorcho baderech. Amalek came to cool you off. This is the word, karcha comes from the word kar, cold. And Rashi tells us that the Eden at this moment were the hottest thing in the world. And everybody knew that you start with them, you're going to get burnt. But Amalek said, Moshul Mayim Chamim. A Moshul to a hot, hot steaming bath. And the first person that goes in gets scolded, the second gets scolded, the third one burnt, and the next one burnt, and the fourth less and less. And each one, as they enter the water, take away from the heat of the water until the people that can come in and enjoy the nice hot water. And then eventually the people say, Ew, I don't want to go in here. It's icky. Um, this was Amalek's mission here to cool off the Jewish nation who are now the hottest commodity in the world. What were they attacking? They were attacking the Yidin spiritually. When something or someone is trying to hold back Matan to hold back the Jews from learning Teda, from doing mitzvahs, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't tell you, Shah, mein kind, I'll take care of this. The person themselves needs to actually take action, to go to battle with this. Hayadayim the Esau need to be put to sleep. The Yidin need to add in Torah and in mitzvahs. And we know that there's a mitzvah to remember what Amalek did. Not on a monthly basis, a weekly basis, on a daily basis we need to remember Zohar Asher Amalek. We may never forget we may never compromise. 
the tests of the Amalek cooling us off. This is a perpetual Amalek. The Amalek within us, that exists within each and every one of us. This is an Amalek that we need to attack. And ultimately, when Amalek does come out against the Jews, after seeing everything that happened, all the miracles that took place, Moshe Rabbeinu tells Yeshua, go stand up against Amalek. In the end you will win. But then HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe, Write this as a memory in the Sefer. Place this in the ears of Yeshua. For I will eradicate the memory of Amalek from under the heavens. And Moshe turns around and says, Ki yod al ko Hashem milchomol Hashem ba'amolek mider der. From the hand of keis ko, the sea, the actual throne, Rashi explains, Yod ve'ishal HaKadosh Baruch Hu hurma li'ishava b'kis o'i. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hand was raised up to swear on his own throne. Niya yisla'i milchomol the Eva Amalek Elamistils will be a perpetual battle forever and ever with Amalek. And Rashi adds, Nishba Kadish Barakushain Shmei Shalim, Hakadish Barakhu swears his name will never be complete. Vain Kisoy Shalim and his throne will never be complete. Achimcha Shmei Amalek Kulay until the entire name of Amalek is totally wiped out. Moshe Rabbeinu knew Yeshua would stand battle. Moshe Rabbeinu also knew that he would not be the ultimate battle against Amalek. Many years later, Shaul HaMelech was given the task. And therefore he saw that the value, the importance of this battle, when it is needed to complete what God promises, so much so that HaGadosh Baruch Hu says that His name and His throne are not complete without this the sin, the ultimate sin of Amalek was brought down many different places in Chassidus Amalek is the concept of Yedea he knows very well who HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, who the Creator is, and he stands up to revolt against that. On a side note, we've said many times, Amalek is Gematria Sofik. Doubt. Many a times a person is determined to do a certain mitzvah to go ahead with a certain mitzvah, a true mitzvah, and suddenly a doubt comes to their mind about, should I actually do it? It's too expensive, it's too hard, it's too difficult. 
when the person made the resolution to do the mitzvah, the person needed to complete that mitzvah. The doubt that came into their minds, that is the power of a malik. And therefore, a malik being the one that knows who God is, and is looking to revolt. Sometimes, you have people that are not from yet. But they don't know better. They don't know better. They didn't learn. Never had, never had any experience, never exposed to it. These people all come around. When they're exposed and they're taught and they're shown miracles and they're shown tater, they're shown the beauty of the mitzvahs, the beauty of the Shabbos, the beauty of the umptiv. They come, they come around as we say. Amalek, forget about it. He's coming to battle Jews. After when? After a miracle like Kriyas Yamsuf. The world was shaking from what happened here. The Yamsuf wasn't the only water that split. The entire world, the person drinking a cup of water, his water split. Everybody, and they said, what was that? And they said, the Abishtah splitting the water for the Yidden. Not just splitting the water for the Yidden to walk across the Yamsuf. Everyone should know HaKadosh Baruch Hu split the water for the Yidden. And every water in the world split. There's no way of doubting that. When someone does come and doubt that, when someone does come and confront that, and try to put water, cold water on this miracle, there's no takona. There's no making better with that. He is directly fighting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Hasidus explains that Amalek is in each and every soul, by each and every Jew. This is the chutzpah someone has to It's in the soul of a person that's not does not have the complete revelation of God, of godliness, but the opposite. Therefore, that point in time is when he awakens. And when he gets out there, and the Yetzirah, the Amalek, comes to cool the person off. And Amalek, time in history, Amalek, we see and we hear repeatedly as Ashakar Chabaderech tries to cool off the Jewish nation. When? When they're on their way to Kabbalah Satera. 70 short, 80 short years ago, the Imachimem Vizachram, the Germans, the Nazis, looked to break the spirits of the Jews. Arab Shneid Nabod, Rahman al Islam, cut a beard or pays off a Jew, to tear Tvilin off a Jew's head, to not just belittle the Jew, but to break the spirit of the Eden. But they ended up suffering worse than the Jews suffered. 
Because as they took these broken bodies, who they thought were broken spirits already by now, and they started marching them to a gas chamber, they didn't see people falling on their knees and begging and pleading. They heard them crying out, I believe with complete faith that Mashiach is coming now. Walking to a room, to a place where they saw smoke rising from their predecessors, from the people that went in there before them, from the ovens. What did they see or hear from these Jews that they thought were broken? This spirit is one that we need to carry on and continue. And not to allow the Amalek to come into us and to break up between Jews, to have one Jew hurt another Jew. And if someone does, to be able to find forgiveness for them. This is the time when the Amalek tries to get in. When the Jew thinks of how great God is, and understands that God is ain't safe, and rules and everything has and goes through God Himself. And this awakens the Avas Hashem that we spoke about for Yud Shvat. The Avas Hashem, the Yiddish Hashem, the Avas Hatayda, the Avas Yisrael. That's when Amalek rears its ugly head. That's when Amalek comes running and says, Wait, 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 I have a story for you. And that's why, as long as Amalek exists, it's a flaw to the ultimate completion, the ultimate fullness of Rahman al-Sahab HaKadosh Baruch of his four letters, Yud Kevavke, the two letters, the first letters, Yud represents Seichel, Yud is the Mayach Chachma, and He is the Cheyach Abino. And the Vav hint Amidis. And this is therefore affected when Amalek comes along and tries to detach the Yud from the Vav and causes Hashem Hashem that not God's name is not complete. Because the Yud the Mayach, and the Vovke, the Midas, are, are being severed. But by keeping this battle alive, and fighting the Amalek within us, this battle makes it, Tafka through standing up against this, above and all these Seichadikar Svaris, all these common things that the Amole comes and puts into our head and said, no, we have to do this. No, we have to go ahead with this. It's against Havis Yisrael, but it doesn't matter, the person deserves it. This causes the flaw and the break. But by overcoming this, we put together once again the Shlemus and the completion, and when HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name is complete, that's when his Kisei will be complete, 
and when his throne is complete and his name is complete, our mission will never be completed, but our mission will be that much more glorious as we sit with Mashiach Tzadkenu in Yerushalayim. All Ziyashir Moshe, Moshe sang the Shira. And we said all the beautiful Pshatim. Why Oz then? Because Moshe finally did Shuvah. What he said, be the Eden will not believe in Michas Hashanah. Hakadosh Baruch was very upset that Moshe spoke Lashon Hara against the Eden. And only now, when Moshe said, because he davened, and Hakadosh Baruch says, "Ma titzakelai, daber el bnei Yisrael v'yiso." Why are you davening? Why are you standing and screaming? Tell the Eden to go. And he turns around and says, go. And they went. <laughs> the famous stupid story of the professor that was experimenting on flies or fleas. And he looked at the fleas under his microscope and he examined it. Then he took it off from under the microscope and said, fly, flea. And the flea flew. And he did this with a second, with a third, with a fourth flea. And then he took a flea under the microscope and he decided he was going to pluck its wings. And he took the wings off the flea and he let the flea down on the side and he said, okay, fly, flea, and the flea did not move. He screamed louder, fly, flea, the flea didn't move. After the third unsuccessful try, he took out his discovery book and he said, I made a million breakthrough today. I discovered that when you pluck the wings from a flea, he becomes deaf. Fly flea and the flea did not fly. HaKadosh Baruch says, And they listened. He said, go and they walked. Yaminu. They believed in Moshe. And Moshe now saw they actually believed in him. And he said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you are right. They do believe in me. So now you believe it? Oz Yashir Moshe. Moshe now had the kachis to sing. So technically this shira is the ultimate level that Moshe Rabbeinu reaches before going up 40 days and 40 nights to get to Tera. This shira, each and every pasuk, each and every word of this pasuk of shira, signifies another spiritual level that Moshe Rabbeinu raised up to. What happens when the Shira finishes? In heaven, the angels are stirring. They're going bananas. They want to sing Shira like this. They want to reach to such a level. Because Baruch Hu puts up his holy hand and says... Vartu. Oh, they only say that in Frankfurt. He says, wait. Something else has to happen first. Vatam lahem Miriam. And Miriam answered them, Shiru lashem ki Miriam and Avia comes out and she sings the Shira Sayam. She stands with the women but ups the antic. 
she goes a level above what the men just did, and she and the women sing besufim of with the holy tambourines, which they will sing when Biyazgayel Tzedek, when Mashiach comes, every woman will stand with a tambourine to be able to sing. So therefore, when the Chachamim had a problem, and there was exeda against the Yidden, they couldn't lane from the Parsha Sashavua, they wouldn't let them read on Shabbos the Parsha, they wouldn't let them read from a Teda in order to try to break again the spirits of the Yidden. The Chachamim took the Nevi'im and the Ksuvim, and they took from there different chapters, and they had that read instead, so that the Yidden would remember this Parsha. Today this is incorporated as what's known as the Haftarah, and the Haftarah therefore is connected directly to the Parsha. So the Haftarah of this week's Parsha, no more no less, is the Shida, another song sung by a Tzaddik. No. It's a song sung by a Tzaddikis. Vatoshar Deveira. Deveira Nevi'ah came out and sang a song as well. When we read this Parsha and Shvi Pesach, we do the Avteira of Dovera Melech Shira. But on the regular basis of Parsha B'Shalach, the Avteira associated is the Shira's Deveira. Showing us how much greater Shiris Miriam was even than greater than Shiris Mesha. As I said to you, the Malachim wanted to sing Shira, but HaKadosh Baruch said, you need to wait. According to one opinion in the Medrash, Omlam HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shishiru Rirak, Lacha Shishayimu Hanoshim Eshiratzon. They could only sing after the women finished their shira. And that's why it says, Vatan lohem Miriam. Miriam answered them, not to the women. doesn't say Vatan lohem Miriam. Miriam answered with the women to sing their shira. Miriam answered to them, to the angels. And said, okay, now that we sang shira Hashem, now you can sing yours. Honestly. Did I just deflate all the men's egos? How was it that the women's shira was so much, so greater, so superior to that of the men? And the reason is because in Golos Mitzrayim the suffering of the women was way worse than that of the men. The horrific Zeta, the horrific decree of Parai was, telling a Jewish mother, take their newborn child and throw them into the river. This is something a mother can't possibly overcome carrying a child for nine months and giving birth to the healthy baby and taking them, putting them in a nilus. Come on, let's learn. 
Nobody, nobody was subjected to such suffering, ever. And therefore, when it came to the Geula, to the redemption, the simcha of the women were that much greater and that much deeper than their husbands and than the men. A story that's mentioned in the Teda has a perpetual message for generations to come. The decree of Pare, as we know, was a decree for generation after generation. But each time, it wears a different hat. It comes across in a different mode. Pare, the Egyptian, said that all the children should be put to death. Straightforward. Killed. Drowning them in the Nilus. The pare, the subsequent pare that comes about in each and every generation thereafter wants to do it in a different way. Sometimes a little less severe but not any less dangerous. In our days chaste Hashem the Jews are Basking, so to say, and has so much more freedom. And now the president, for an act that he did, you can almost say shlita about him, instituting prayer in the in the schools. Something that the Rebbe pounds the table over that the Rebbe said is the fundamental and basic of of education across the board. Religious, not religious, Jewish, not Jewish, children need to know to pray. They start their day needs to be with prayer. This decree of the Pharaoh does though still try to attack spiritually and this pare in our days rules in our generation our nations something that tries to detach the Jewish children from their source from their true source from the tailor Pare in today's days puts himself into something that the children enjoy, something that the children find interesting. Children today, a terrible decree going on today, the fight against yeshivas that are not teaching enough secular studies. The secular studies are not strong enough and therefore we're not giving the children a chance to succeed in life. Because how can they make a living if they don't know all these Rahman al secular studies? They want to start the day with the secular study and then learn your tater later in the afternoon.
The truth is, this very decree is only disguised. The Jewish child cannot live without the proper amuna given to them. Without the study of Teda, without the Jewish education. And therefore this decree is as dangerous as it comes. It's the Xeda of the original party. It's just dressed in something else. Whether it be the secular studies, the internet, the smartphone, any other modern technology, social media. This is what Pari is working on to get the children thrown into rather than Tata. And just like in Mitzrayim, the women suffered from this. Today's day as well. It's the women that try to make the air of the house pure. It's the women that try to properly institute education into their children. The women, the Akeres Habayis, that spends more time than the father does with the children. She is the one that has to stand up and confront the Pare's suggestions. And therefore she will win. She will overcome. And she will sing proudly. It needs to be known. Every Jewish woman is the Etzem Kayach and the great Schus given by God to her to raise a Jewish generation and through standing up against all the different obstacles by pushing away with kifa what the world has to, so, uh, to offer then they will be zeche to see nachas hamitis from their children and to sing the Geula Amitas Vashlema. And since we made the dedication for this year to this very special woman, may she take to be able to stand up and shira and call out and sing out and tell everyone, Ru Bonim Gidalti, look at Kinahara, the children I have raised. Look at what the generations I've produced, Shemrei Teira Mitzvahs, Behidur, Behidur Mitzvahs, Eiskim Bateira, Ove Mitzvahs. And Shishibitaka Zecha, to many, many more generations, Gizuntahit, Feilachait, and to watch, and to see each and every one of the children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, happy, married, and doing exactly what she looks to, would want them to be doing. A mitzvah that's mentioned in the parsha. We have many such.
it's you. One of the miracles that takes place in this week's parsha. I am raining down upon you bread from heaven. Special food. The mon. The mana. Although we have spoken many different times about the deficiency of the mana. Vayancho, vayerivecho, vayachircha zamon tortured you, starved you. But, when you have time, you go to the archives, find such talks, and you'll hear the explanation for it. This food, Hamaytzi Lechem Min Hashemayim, the bracha, made on the man. This food had many different facets to it. Wonders. First of all, there were no seas, no pits. There no psalis. No shells, no nothing. What you put on your plate, you ate. That's one. Secondly, whatever you wanted to taste, that's what you tasted. And more importantly, portion control. <laughs> the biggest problem we have today in eating, portion control. You had your exact portion. The exact amount that you needed to eat, you had. You didn't go need to look for something else afterwards. You didn't have to look in the closet for some other food. You had exactly what you needed. But the man itself was not only a solution for the Jews in the desert, because if it was, Tain is not a storybook. So obviously, that was not the sole mission, just to feed the Jews in the desert. But there needs to be a message as we learn about this man for future generations. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Aaron, Take a tzantzenes achas, shelmon lemishmeres. A tray, a portion of the mon. Now you have to understand, mon had a shelf date of one day. Shelf date of the mon was one day. Tomorrow you got new mon. You couldn't keep mon from one day to the next, except for Shabbos, which you got on Friday, double portion. And one of them was for Shabbos. So the shelf date was one day. But, HaKadosh Baruch said, take it in sentence of this month and put it away. We find the Navi Yirmiyah. The Navi Yirmiyah comes and he says to the Yidin, why are you not learning Tata? And they say, thank you. Any other suggestions? Who's going to work? 
We should put away our work and not, and not have food? We should sit and learn Torah? Who's supporting us? And Yirmiya Novi took out its incentives of Mon, says, says the Novi. And he said, Ooh, it's a cook in there. Look. With this, your forefathers lived, so were supported. HaKadosh Baruch has many messengers to give to the God-fearing people support. First look, just the first blink of we say, and this concept here, we don't understand what Yirmiya was getting at. They asked, how are you supporting, how are we going to be supported? The Jews in the desert ate the month. What does it do with our support? There's no money coming down now. person has to plant, has to sow, has to, to reap, in order to get bread from the earth. What kind of answer are you telling me, Mon? We need to understand the great message of the Mon itself. The Mon signified to us not only the Chaste HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that took place then in Midbar Sinai, but everything that in between that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to do for us then and now. When we plant, we sow, and we water, and we get reap afterwards, we have the wheat and everything else. Ah, I had a good crop this year, I did a good job, I planted it well. Really? Seriously, you took a seed and you put it in the ground and it turned into a stalk and you said you did that? The miracle is totally lost. It's impossible for a person to feel that how miraculous this happened. He knows that he sweated and toiled. If I have to thank somebody, it's my machines. The people who are out there working in the fields. When I get a better stock, get a better crop, I give a bonus. But the truth is, the person needs to know and needs to get focused here. The ground produced gave him what to live off. But this is only the tzinaitis, this is only the hose, this is only the feeding tube that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent him the Shefa with. The true bracha and panosa, the true panosa that comes to us, is only because HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends this through us, through a natural way. A Jew needs to constantly think and remember, nothing can happen without HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Nothing happens panosa-wise without the, the feeding tube that we get from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The hose that's produced us. And it doesn't occur to a person to turn over his own lifestyle and to say, and I'll get my panasa. This Jew understands that all the toiling and all the work that a person puts in does not bring any extra work, any extra penny that Eichaj Baruch wants to give you. 
And you need to believe this is what HaKadosh Baruch is going to give you, what you have coming to you. And by this Amun Apshuta, in order to reach to this recognition, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for us his blessings through his, physical, through his natural resources and hides the serious secrets behind it. This is a level that we need to achieve and ascertain. And this way, this is what the man does for us. Strengthens our amuna that the person has a suffix perhaps, that this is not spiritual. So it's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And we should see the ultimate blessing from HaKadosh Baruch Hu with Geula Amitis Vashlema at Biaz Geil Tzedek. We should all be together this Shabbos and sing the Shira Asiri in Yerushalayim in HaKadosh Good Shabbos to all.